Welcome to the Wiles cast. Uh, I know that Rabbi Wiles normally gives uh, these introductions. Um, today's a little different. Um, I've been a student of Rabbi Wilds for a number of years. I come to him with my questions, with my anxieties, um, with my wanderings uh, as, a, as a Jew. And today I had a number of questions for him that I wanted to explore about what it is to be a Jew in this moment. And so I'm excited for everyone to join us in this complex, messy, um, spiritually based conversation about what it means to be Jewish since 107. Thank you. Okay, welcome, my friend, my student, my colleague, Daniel Wallach. For those of you who perhaps do not remember Daniel, although he's unforgettable. Um, this is our third discussion with each other, but our first discussion since the war broke out in Israel, since Israel was attacked on October 7th. And uh, I want to thank you, Daniel, for convening this session so we can have a heart-to-heart -heart about what's happening to the Jewish people and to us. Uh, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hand it over to you because um, this was your call. This was your... You made this appointment. Right. So for this uh, third installment of our Rabbi and the Student series, I want to have a open, emotionally based and spiritually based discussion um, about everything uh, regarding 10-7 and everything since 10-7 as Jews, as members of the Jewish people. I mean... An unspeakable crime against humanity of this magnitude uh, has not been suffered by the Jewish people since the days mm. of the Holocaust. Yeah. And uh, so I, I want to have a discussion about the spiritual implications. And I want to ask difficult questions and to see if we can come to some kind of understanding about how we should be relating to this moment, engaging with this moment mm -hmm. on a uh, spiritual level, on an emotional level, on a empathetic level. Um, so this kind of discussion, it feels, feels a little uh, silly in a way, given that I'm not in Israel, you're not in Israel right now. We're not, we're having this conversation not under uh, the threat of rockets. And so it, just being a Jew outside of Eretz Yisrael right now feels uh, strange, even with, even with the threats and the violence and that, that Jews, that many Jews have been facing in the, uh, in the diaspora. But all that being said, I just want to ask, uh, go back in time a little bit to ask where you were on this on 107 um first of all even before i answer that question and we'll get into this i'm sure i do feel very strange about being here jill and i are planning to go to israel in two weeks please god but on a solidarity mission we're collecting materials for soldiers and families that have been dislocated but the sense of being here and not being there is very difficult on me especially because i have two kids there so part of my heart is there but on october 7th um i was it was shabbos you know here in america in the diaspora we have two days of shmini atzeres simchas torah they're separate days so it was saturday and sunday in israel and you know it's funny no one has actually spoken about that how like everything happened on that one big mega holiday in Israel, which combines both Shmini Atzeret and Simchas Torah. But here in the diaspora, we have two days. So I got the news. Um, Stephanie Hausman, who's a dear, dear friend, MGE fellow, who's very involved in Israel advocacy. She's a real leader in the Jewish community. And um, she motioned to me as I was leading the service, like to come over to talk to her. And I was like, you know, I'm leading the service. Like, what are you, what are you doing? And, and she's like, there, there was a, a, an attack in Israel. And I said, oh my God, that's terrible. Now, 
I have to tell you, I've heard that before and it's awful, but she was like, no, 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 this is, this is different. Israel was attacked in a very serious way. And, you know, and it was Shabbos. It wasn't Simchas Torah for us. So we didn't have the same like challenge that our Israeli brethren in shul in Israel had. Do right. we dance? Do we not? We weren't going to be doing a lot of dancing that day. We were going to just be having a regular Shabbat service coincided with Shemini Atzeres, which is more festive because we say Hallel. But um, I, I just, it was very eerie. I wasn't sure exactly what to do. And the other problem I had was I didn't know, you know, I didn't have my phone and and I, um, so I, I, I didn't know the extent, you know, and I was actually dreading all Yom Tov. It's one of the great advantages that we have as Sabbath observant Jews is that we're like shielded from stuff going on in the world a little, at least on the holidays and Shabbos. So I did the best I could that day. And I was very nervous about, obviously the most important thing was like, how is Israel doing? How are my kids? Um, We're both in Jerusalem. Both in Yerushalayim. Oh, excuse me. Only Abigail, because Yosef was still home. That's right. That's right. I brought We brought Yosef back to New York to be our chazan together with Arnie for Yom Kippur, and he stayed for Sukkot. Abigail also came back for Sukkot, but she went back for the second days to Israel. So, it, so Abigail was there. And, you know, I was obviously consumed with thoughts about her. Um, and um, and then I kept thinking, like, what is going on? And I, I just we just started davening. We immediately started davening for our brothers and sisters in Israel. The information yeah. started to come in to uh, the Chabora, um on Saturday night, uh, I to remind uh, your listeners, I live in a community in uh, Borough Park in in Brooklyn, um, uh, community for uh, uh, for people like me for uh, Bali Teshuva who've returned after learning in Israel for a bit and are trying to uh, figure out their lives. I call it. I call it. It's the halfway house for the America. yeshiva halfway house. I call. I, I, I'm just a, right now. I'm just a professional work in progress. So that's just this, the. <laughs> Station. We all, I, Halavai, we should all be. Anyway. Um, So, people started, people who weren't Jewish started to tell members of the community what was going on. And then we had this announcement just as Simchas Torah was coming in that we would, we would be learning about a massive tragedy in, in Israel. And I heard this and I remember that, you know, I remember 9-11, uh, mm-hmm. you know, when I was nine, I remember this strangely chaotic, eventful news that started to seep in. Uh, and so I was, in my mind, I was recalling this, you know, somewhat passively and, and, and I was, you know, very um, just surface level thinking about the information that was coming in and i was able to to dance a little bit we you know we we, we dance with the with the torah uh on Simchos torah mm-hmm. and then i i had wa- i i walked back to the house that i'm living in to get someone who needed some uh medicine and then i remembered that my father was in israel like mm-hmm. I, I i had completely forgotten Oh, I didn't realize that. I uh, remember you told me your father was there. He was still there. For some reason, I had completely forgotten. Mm-hmm. And suddenly everything immediately became very real. I didn't know where my father was. I know my father was staying in Tel Aviv. I had left him just two weeks previous because I, uh, I, I was in Israel for a little bit over the summer. I, I had I had no no idea like so I I was immediately starting to freak out a bit mm-hmm. um, and I was starting to take in a bit more of the information that was being shared hundreds hundreds slaughtered 
And the next day, which is another supposed to be a Sunday, which is supposed to be another day of uh, dancing mm-hmm. with the Torah. I make no claim that the decisions that I made were appropriate decisions mm-hmm. as, uh, you know, as, uh, as a Jew in this moment. I couldn't go, I couldn't go to shore. Mm-hmm. I, I couldn't go to shore and be around uh, people who were, you know, I, I couldn't be, a, I couldn't dance. I couldn't, I, I couldn't, you know, here I yeah. was in the United States, separate from what, from this terror that was going on in Israel, separate from rockets, separate from the intensity of what, you know, our, our mishpacha, uh, you know, in Israel was feeling. And it felt like such a privilege to go to Shoal to dance with the Torah, you, you know, even on, even on one of the most you joyous felt, days of the you year. Felt gu- you felt guilty? I felt guilty. I felt like I didn't want to become, you know, bring myself to a point of emotional distance from mm-hmm. what was going on. I asked a rabbi in, uh, associated with the Chabora, how, you know, how can, how can, how can we dance? Right. How can we dance right now? And he, and, you know, he gave, you know, he was speaking about holding suffering and simcha in both chambers of the heart, mm-hmm. which is an extraordinary idea. And I can understand mm-hmm. that on an intellectual level, but I couldn't, I couldn't understand that on a emotional level at that time. So I just, I stayed home. I tried to say something to Hillam. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, you know, when the holiday came out, uh, came down, I, I got the word of my um, father's uh, safety and started mm-hmm. to become aware of the full scope of what had happened. You know, Sorry. Daniel, if I, if I can yeah. just, um, there's, there's a very important Jewish teaching that uh, Rav Schwab and earlier rabbis developed about what is how to distinguish people from angels. You know, an angel can only do one task at a time, but a human being can do multiple things. We can multitask, but it doesn't mean just practically we can do more than one thing at the same time. It means that we can somehow, this is not simple, we can somehow entertain a conflicting emotions simultaneously. And now it's easier said than done. And it's like, okay, now I know we're capable of this. Like, what does that feel like? Can you actually be sad and happy at the same time? What are you supposed to, and the Talmud deals with this. There's discussions amongst the sages about, God forbid, you're under a chuppah and the, the, the father of the groom passes away, just drops dead under the chuppah. What do you do? The, the Mishnah says you're supposed to continue with the ceremony, then you bury the body, then you go back to the Shiva Simeha Mishnah, the seven days of feasting, and then it's crazy. It's crazy. But I think we've all been living that way for the last three weeks. Because yeah, I, yeah, yeah sorry, go, go ahead. No, no, please. These are, again, these are extraordinary intellectual ideas for how, for how a Jew should be, hold, can, has, is capable of holding, right. of capable of holding different worlds within themselves at once. It's just, it's just when speaking about these ideas, sometimes they only exist on the intellectual level to engage with them right. is, a, it, is, a, is a world yeah. of work. But how do you, how else do you? Because this is not just, you're focused, right? We're focused in our conversation just on October 7th, but like it's three weeks later and this could go on for more, many more weeks, months. How, on one hand, what are we supposed to do? Like we can't just make believe, you know, and just be happy and go about our daily lives, whether you're in Israel or here. Right. You can't, if you're on the front, right? On the other hand, you know, we should be feeling bad, but you can't walk around dog face the whole time. And, you know, there's an advantage that our Israeli brethren have that we don't like we. OK, there's volunteer work for us to do. There's rallies to attend. There's packages to be made to send to Israel, donations to be made. OK, but it's not the same. I'm talking to my daughter, my son, people in Israel. They're much more engaged in, you know, rallying the country. So it's like we have the worst of we, we have it in a sense worse. Now, of course, we're not getting barraged with bombs. OK, so this is someone who's listening to this psychological, you know, garble, we're like, you have it worse? You running into a bomb right. shelter? No. But we don't have the advantage of being part of the solution, right? Now, we do a little. We can do some. 
like I'm saying, but I think we have to learn how to be both joyous and mournful at the same time. And that, that is not simple, but we're doing that because. Right. Yeah. I do want to mention one other thing, Daniel. Yeah. Uh, I, I didn't tell you what happened here at MGE the second day. Okay. Well, the first night, Simchas Torah is our biggest night, literally our biggest night. It used yeah. to be much bigger before COVID. We used to get over a thousand people. We had about 450 people registered to come Simchas Torah night. Right? This is Saturday night. We got the news Saturday morning. Yeah. 150 people didn't show. We've never had the many no-shows. Now, I'm trying to figure out how come so many people didn't come. They're scared. You know, our population is quite diverse. We have some observant, many mostly non-observant, checking their phones. Is it safe to go to a Jewish place? You know, but I'll tell you what was different, which was actually quite powerful. All seven hakafos, the revolutions, the dancings with the Torah. Yeah. Every year we do one or two hakafos and get everybody into it. And then people peter out and they start hitting the bar and then we have to try to pull people in for hakafa three four five six seven it's like pulling teeth this year nobody went to the bar until all seven hakafas were done and there wasn't one jew on the side i don't remember i'm doing this 25 years at mg is our 25th simchas torah i don't ever remember seven powerful hakafas each one was probably 10 12 minutes long of rocking and rolling dancing and just like intense and i felt amazing about that i felt like people were putting their anguish their 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 stress their distress into their their avodas hashem into their into their dancing for hashem and the torah and 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 it was it was the it was i have to say even though we had 150 people no shows the 300 people that did come there was nothing like it. We've never had a Simchas Torah like this. That's beautiful. I <laughs> I wish I could have done that. I, I'm not I, saying that to make you feel bad, my friend. No, I, I, I'm just saying. I, I, I did I, invite you. I did invite you for I, Torah. I know you invited. I, <laughs> I know. I, what I, part, of, part of what I'm saying is, is I wish I could do could be there in that space. I wish that. Yeah, but you can't. You, well, I was feeling yeah. strong enough in my Yiddishkeit to be able to be in that kind of a zone. Yeah. Um, so, fine. Uh, you and I have had this discussion, and it's a question that I want to ask again in this space. When somebody in our family dies, we sit shiva. We sit in a space, in a reality of extreme honesty, where people come and sit with us, and we give off our grief our our yuck hmm. other people are there to absorb it with us to sit in the muck with us yeah and i'm wondering where is a similar process right now in after after a, a pogrom where is this where are this where's a similar uh technology for us in this moment i i this is this is why it, I have felt that this moment is somewhat isolating. Yes, we can get in, we can get with everyone, and we can say to Hillam. Yes, we you know we can have discussions, we can daven uh, strongly to each to each each person's measure, but it feels this this period of mourning, which isn't even really a period of mourning, because. How do you even get to the morning yeah, when you yeah. deal when you're dealing with rage? So, well, let's let's table the rage for a minute. It's very important for everyone to know when we have this conversation that there were actual shivas, and they're still going on. I have friends who have other rabbi colleagues of mine who have been visiting Israel in these last three weeks, and they went on what they call nicham avelim bikrocholim visits the whole time. Nicham avelim is consoling the mourner. Bikr Cholim is visiting the sick, and they just went from hospital to hospital to, to house, to Beit Avel, house of mourning to house of mourning, individuals who lost one of their seven close relatives for whom Torah law, right, for whom the Torah obligates us to mourn. What you're asking for, and I think it's a really good question, because it's a gaping hole, 
is what about all of us that feel that same, maybe not the same thing as an actual family member, immediate family member. But there was really no shiva for the Jewish people. Like, we have Tisha B'Av. I mean, I will tell you, this is going to be added to Tisha B'Av. I, 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 it's the first time I'm thinking about this. Next year, Tisha B'Av, next summer, it's going to be a main theme. Because that's what we do. We, we add every time there's an atrocity, a pogrom like this. There's Okina. Okina is a special lamentation poem written by great sages. And we, after the Holocaust, there's a special kina that was added for the Shoah for the Holocaust. I'm sure there'll be a kina added for this. And we'll sit Shiva, the whole Jewish people, on Tisha B'Av. The question is, you're asking now. How do we process the loss of such a huge member, a huge number of the Jewish family? Where's the process? Where's the system? Where's the, where's the, Everyone, where's the everyone gets together and sits in the muck? Where it's been isolating, um, and it frustrates me. And it and it's not just. And I know that this is an ongoing conflict, but it's just been okay. I daven, I say a little to Hillam, and then I absorb the horrors of the of the news and the terrible things on social media and the extraordinary amount of gaslighting and that. And then I move from immediately from the need to. And I'm, I imagine other people are dealing with this. There's there's the need to mourn, which immediately gets uh, brushed away to the side, or uh, for the for the extraordinary feeling of rage. Uh, you know, I these this foot I, this this footage, this yeah. footage. You know, the yeah. he pulls out he pulls out a, a a young Jewish woman by the hair. You know, she's she's bleeding from from between her legs. The, the absolute extraordinary rage that I, I'd never experienced before. I, I don't know what to do with that either. I don't know. And I don't know what to do with that on a spiritual realm. And so we have the, so we have, uh, we have the morning and we have the, we, we got the rage to deal with. Let's I, talk about the morning first. Okay. Let's talk about the morning. You're absolutely right in pointing out that the Jewish people as a whole, and those of us that have been really, really affected by this, and that are just just finding themselves as I do just crying in the middle of the day. Um, it's just terribly unhealthy and unJewish not to talk about it because that's the point of Shiva. And but, I went to know, Simchas. I, w I went to Simchas. I know. I went you know, to I an went engagement to party two nights ago. I know. And and that and you know and it feels yeah, but weird. It is. It listen. It is weird, but I feel very strongly about that. We've had two MGE weddings. I've had a couple of engagement parties in these last three weeks. It's not just handing the enemy a win if we cancel weddings. And my son Ezra said, he put it very nicely, like, why are we fighting for our survival? The reason we fight for survival, the reason there's a state of Israel, the reason there's a Jewish people, okay, is to reveal God in the world. And the way you reveal God in the world is by getting married and by having a family. And you, I, I, I'm putting it in more mitzvah spiritual terms because it's not just about, oh, we have to stay happy. Yeah, we do. I'm speaking theologically, not psychologically. Theologically, if we stop keeping the Torah and we stop getting married and having children and doing what we need to do, then we're not only handing our enemies a win, we are we are not living up to the whole reason that there are 350,000 of our Jewish brethren on the front lines now. What are they protecting exactly? It's not just physical. Okay, we live for a certain purpose and, and noble ideals. And that's why you have to continue to celebrate. And the most inspiring weddings that I've seen are the ones on those army bases. I mean, there's, they're happening all the time. People are getting married on army bases. And I think that's such a Jewish thing. I think it's such a Jewish thing. I think I spoke with someone else, like I think the, some of the wedding needs to be toned down a little because you have to be sensitive. How many Jews have been killed? How many Jews remain hostage? How many Jews are about to put their, or have already put their lives on the line? And we're just, you know, overdoing the party a little. I think there should be some diminution in the you know, in without taking away from the core simcha of the union, 
Rabbi, can I ask? Yeah. Why don't we have a collective process of mourning? We do. It's it's called Tisha B'Av. Okay, that's once it, a year. What what about right in the immediacy? Why don't we have a? You know, I I've been asking this question. You know, what what do they do back in the times of the pogroms? Or why hasn't there been some rav who who has examined the halacha to you know to find a process that's that's a, appropriate? It it still feels isolating and any okay i'll explain okay fine so it's isolating rebbe eisenberger our rebbe of the chabora mm-hmm. uh, offered this on uh, friday night that a jew needs to be vulnerable in this in this kind of a moment and consistently uh vulnerable to what's going on it, uh, with klal israel with to what's going on with our with our fellow with our fellow Jews that to have this ever-present state within oneself of the rest of our family. So, and and I and I think what he was suggesting was, which is helpful helpful to me at least, is that yes, have have our simchas, have our you know you know have our moments, have moments of of beauty, but to not even in even in those moments of beauty, to not let go of each other. In a in a kind of way to not let go of. Yeah, I mean, unfortunate. I, I, yeah, I I think I look. We have to find solace and comfort in each other. We have to spend more time with each other, and and the Jewish community has come together very very beautifully. You know how much achdus and unity, and I think some of the coming together is a without anyone saying it. I think it is a form of shiva, a form of it's not a halachic in a pure legal halachic sense. But why do you think there are so many of these gatherings in synagogues to say Tehillim? It's not just to daven to Hashem. It's first and foremost to daven for a Yeshua, for a salvation from God. But it's also to feel the love and support of other people. No different why we go Peshivako when somebody loses one of the seven close relatives. I want to talk about your rage for a minute. Let's talk about rage, Rabbi. So this is complicated because we should be enraged. And you can't really defeat an enemy unless you're angry. This is one of the differences between, I would say, Judaism and Christianity. Right? Judaism, Christianity very much believes in loving everyone, even your enemy. And there's no such concept in Judaism. There are things that are worthy of hate, and there are people worthy of hate in this world. We try to minimize that. We try to be down the kavzchut, find the benefit of the doubt. Rav Nachman of Breslov talked about the Nakuda Tova, finding that kernel of good in everyone. But once someone has committed the kinds of crimes and evil acts as Hamas has, there's no other appropriate emotion other than rage and anger. Okay, even at, the, ex- even at not, the expense of someone's of someone's health, at the expense of sleep. No. No, no, no. But rage and anger has to, like any other emotion, has to be directed appropriately. We are not permitted to seek revenge. People think right now that Israel's just so angry. I don't want to use other words, okay? That they're just so angry that they're going in and just shooting everybody up because we have the firepower. We could bomb the heck out of them. That's not what's happening. Israel is thinking, Israel is acting rationally, Israel is thinking strategically. That's why everybody's wondering what's taking so long for the ground troops to move in. Okay, they're doing things methodically, and this is very important. And President Biden, first people were put off by when Biden said this. And I know we're not getting political. I'm not. I'm I'm bringing up something the president said for uh, psychological reasons. He said, don't make some of the same mistakes we made after 9-11 to act out of rage and out of anger and not think things out because rage and anger you know, when we become angry, our, you know, not enough oxygen flows to the thinking centers, and we 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 say and we do stupid things. I've definitely been doing, been saying and doing a lot of stupid things in the last couple of weeks. So, I, by the way, I didn't mean to praise people who get angry, but I don't know what kind of human being you can be if this doesn't fire you up, if this doesn't get you so angry. And of so, what do we do with it? You have to put your anger into not you, all of us, have to somehow channel it in a way that's productive, to to productively remove the threat, 
Okay. Because if we just, you know, vent our rage, okay. It might feel really good in the short term, but it won't fix the problem. Okay, everybody is saying the same thing. You don't need to be a military analyst to know that the only way to fix this problem is to remove Hamas permanently, a regime change. And if we let our rage have its way, we will not be disciplined. We need to be disciplined. Rabbi, the, but the, now, rage is, the, the, the rage is not just directed towards Hamas. The rage is directed towards uh, a social, political, cultural environment that is 100% gaslighting us in this moment. What that a uh, either complete silence, either you know a very you know uh, telling us that you know certain things didn't happen the way that they yeah. say that it happened, telling us that um, that uh, you know that. Um, this was not an act of terrorism. This was an act of decolonization, right. freedom right. fighting, you know, all these things. And I don't want to get, again, I I do not want to get into a political discussion, which is a very, very easy path. I just want to... I, I, yeah, you, you want to stick on the emotional I want rage. to stick on I, the I, emotional but, but reality. I, I, I would answer that question. Okay, we just shifted from how Israel should sort of vent its rage against Hamas, how yeah. should we vent our rage against anti-Semites? Yeah. Against, I'm going to put this very euphemistically, misguided young men and women who are pro-Palestinian. And, okay, pro-Hamas, pro-Palestinian, they're marching with Hamas flags and they're cheering with Hamas slogans into the sea. We have to do the same thing, Daniel. We have to be smart about it. Because just to, just to scream and yell and act back, you know, the way they're acting towards us is wholly unproductive. Having said that, I do believe, and I have a clip of my interview with Rudy Rockman, and Rudy said something. I suggested that interview, Rabbi. You, you, okay. don't, you don't give me credit. I suggested this interview. Okay, we'll give you, we'll give you the 10% of okay. all the money we made off that interview. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, I appreciate it. It was it was he's on the front lines, Rudy. And he said something at the very end, which was I asked him about anti-Semitism, and he said that he feels that we have to work around with our yarmulkes, we have to wear our Margin Davids, because the net and cumulative effect of hiding our Judaism for so long is making it harder for us to push back and to make sure that the world sees anti-Semitism anywhere it rears its ugly head as unacceptable. Okay, and he was pointing out some other ethnicities, other minority groups that never would, would, would always, I mean, I always thought this, can a, a black person can't cover up that they're black, okay? But a Jew can put a cap on. You don't have to tell everyone the, your, your last name. I refuse to put a cap on. Like, I... But I want you to know, I got... This isn't France. This isn't France. Like, okay, I... But... But but it, it, the thing is, he said, he made this comment, and I appreciate that. And I also, I walk around my yarmulke, and it, I've been nervous, but I'm like, I'm also angry. And that anger has, you know, encouraged me to keep the yarmulke and keep walking. And when I, you and I went to this rally together, I went to another rally the week after, and I had my flag in my hand, and I was taking the train back. I was, I was looking for a place to tuck it in. I couldn't fit it in my nap. I'm like, why can't I walk around with a flag? So I, I held the flag. And like, I was as, as stupid as this, but the, the net effect of us not doing that for so long and just living in this country to be successful here and be integrated here with, without showing people who we really are. Yeah. Rudy, Rudy was suggesting that that is being, that's a failed diaspora Jew, basically. He says, if you're going to be a diaspora Jew, be a diaspora Jew. Stand sure. up for me. And if you can't do that, he said, then come back home. He said, come back to Israel. Fine. I mean, that was. I hear it, Rabbi. I, I mean, the first week walking outside is a. I, I mean, I've had some a couple of unsavory encounters. You know, I, I just want to say this is really important to say. Talking about anti-Semitism, it's one of my least favorite things to do, and I want to, and I think it's. I want to say why, it is because. Mm -hmm. I went 
to, you know, I went to yeshiva for two years. I went to engage with a world of, of Jewishness that I never had, that I never had growing up. I've learned, you know, I've been learning with you for five, what is it, five years now. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, my journey towards, towards my Judaism, towards my Judaism was to enter a world of beauty, to enter a world of connection, to enter a vertical relationship with, with Hashem, to enter a horizontal relationship with the Jewish people. And, you know, I, I, in yeshiva, I lived right under uh, Yad Vashem, Harnof, mm-hmm. the, uh, the, uh, the National Holocaust Memorial of the, the State of Israel. The last thing that I wanted to do in my time in, in yeshiva was to go to Yad Vashem, because I, because I grew up with, you know, part of your Judaism is to remember the, you know, part of your Judaism is to, you know, remember the horrors of anti-Semitism. And I said, okay, I understand that. I want to move forward from from that in a, in a, in a, in a kind of way. I, I, I want to engage with the beauty of being a Jew, not the horrors mm. that have mm. befallen Jews in the past. Okay. Um, so this moment, and again, again, a lot of the social environment in the United States, the, a lot of the cultural capital mm-hmm. is based in victimization. It's yeah. not a game that I want to play. I don't want to start. I don't want to win no, people and, because and, I'm because I'm quote unquote of an oppressed people. It's not how I want to. It's not how I want to engage with people as a Jew. So that's why some of this moment right now is weird. But it's weird, and that's why you want to put it in context because you don't want to only talk in this time. And and I, we're struggling. The MG educators like how much is every drasha have to be about Israel? What's going on? The war? I don't just mean Israel, but like. My class tomorrow night, I'm talking about Zionism, why people are pro-Zionism, why there are Haredi Jews that are anti-Zion. I want to get people out of just not talking about everyone hating us so much. It's not healthy. Yeah. And what it does is it 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 gets us back to that place that so many young Jewish people are so more identified with anti-Semitism than the love for Semitism, than the love for sure. Judaism. And, I, and by the way, this was very evident every year on Yom HaShoah. For some reason, we always did really well with numbers on Yom HaShoah. I interview a Holocaust survivor. I always pack the room, always sell out. And then I get up at the end and say, ladies and gentlemen, my brothers and sisters, next week is Yom HaTzma'ot. Out of the ashes of Auschwitz was born the modern state of Israel. Come to next week, we're going to sell it. Now, we got a nice group, but not nearly as much as, as those who come to Yom HaShoah, who come to the Holocaust. There is this Holocaust mentality. And I think it's sad because it's filled in for a lack of knowledge and an appreciation for 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 Judaism itself. And and um for the beauty of being a Jew. Exactly. So we so, can we can't lose that. And we just got hit really hard over the head. Okay. So it's we're still reeling from the from the blow. Okay, so but as we there's no going back to normal life. This is a new normal. But as we try to reintegrate and assimilate and and um, process all of this, again, we'll be dealing our enemies a victory if we get too obsessed with anti-Semitism. There's, in my opinion, still way too many organizations. I mean, this is going to sound crazy to say now because we need everybody to fight anti-Semitism. But I've always felt that the amount of money the Jewish community has thrown, you know, fighting anti-Semitism has as way, you know, but that's overshadowed. how a lot of older older generations of Jews engage with their Judaism, and that and so and I think a lot of those people that run those institutions, yeah, and young people too, as I'm saying, okay. you know, by the I fact that we had it is unfortunate, and we have to stay away from it. But we got to deal with the fact that there's an onslaught of anti-Semitism now. We can't ignore that. We have to fight back. Rabbi, I'm, I don't want to miss this question, uh, yeah. just because it, it, it it's a little bit further back in our conversation. You know, we were speaking about isolation and isolation this moment. What do I do when I'm isolated like this? I speak to my rabbis. I bug you. I call you five times until you finally pick up. And uh, and so I'm. What about being a rabbi in this moment? Is is that is that is that a different type of isolation than perhaps Jews who would turn to their rabbis have right now? You know, it's, I've never had a problem telling my students when I don't know an answer to a question, I don't know. 
But when the question is as fundamental and as basic as how could God allow this to happen and how could so many people suffer, it's just, it's very hard. It's very hard pretending that I'm, and I'm not pretending that I, that I know all this. And I, and I had a lot of comfort. This Shabbos, we went to Teaneck. We had a beautiful Shabbaton. I invited you as well. You couldn't come. Did I not invite you? No, you invited me. I okay. I couldn't, couldn't make we it. We had a, about 40 of us from MGE went to Teaneck for Shabbos. And we were able to hear, amongst others, from my mentor and teacher, Rabbi Dr. Jacob J. Schachter. And he walked in and he came with his Rebetzin. And he is, I mean, he's a brilliant, brilliant scholar, PhD from Harvard, histories, and huge Torah scholar. And he's just been my rock. He helped me start MGE, and he's just there for me. He's also a very nurturing kind of rabbinic figure in my life. And and he was sitting down. We were eating something before I was going to introduce him. I said, Rabbi, I'm so excited for you to speak. And he looked up. He's like, I'm a wreck, Mark. I have no idea what I'm going to say. And I never heard him say that, ever. Now, of course, he got up there and said something pretty powerful and eloquent. But he was actually able to work off. We had a, a woman, Hannah, Hannah Marcus from MG, was telling her story. It was so beautiful. Of unfortunately, she lost her dad, and and how she came on the ski retreat after, and she found this community. So Rabbi Shachter was able to sort of lay into that. He was able to kind of work off that and find some solace. And but we're all we're all we all have to hang on to each other. Right. And that doesn't mean you shouldn't go to your rabbi if you're listening to this and you shouldn't get some advice and wisdom and Torah strength. It's called chizuk. I've been doing that for, for the last three weeks and I'm going to continue. Hashem should give me the strength. But but um, we're all, you know, right. we're all speechless. Rabbi, that's, this is going to help me into the last couple of questions that I have for you. Uh, but first, this is something I've been, you know, seeing the everything that's been going on in Israel and in Gaza. I want to ask you, um, how should we be processing the thousands of people that have died in Gaza? I don't, I don't, in all of my own grief, my own rage i don't want to be passive about death it's you know just because right. just because right. they're you know you know they're um behind people civilians behind enemy lines i don't i don't want to dehumanize people in the way that i speak about this conflict and the way that i engage with this conflict and the way they engage with horrifying images you know but in both in israel and in and in gaza so how do we how do we engage with this so there are two categories of people on the other side over there there are innocent gazans who would prefer hamas disappear who understand that they're being used as human shields and if they could have their druthers would either leave the gaza strip entirely or have their quote-unquote leadership replaced and we'll call them the innocents. And then we have the others who you see giving out candy in the street. I mean, Hamas was elected. You know, Hitler was also elected um, to office, you know, in some sort of de democratic process. So I, I don't really view Gazans, you know, Palestinians who are living in the Gaza Strip, I don't view them all as innocent if they are somehow encouraging, promoting, aiding and abetting. Now, you and I will never know. What if they're? What if they're? What? What, if, what about people who are? You know, they're, they're from the cradle. They're. They're. They've been taught to. You know, they've been. Okay, they've been so, taught I, certain things. So, so children are children, and we the children are innocent as far as I'm concerned. Now, if that child is holding a gun, you still have the right and duty to take them out. Okay, even if they're three years old, you still have to protect yourself and your family, and that's a mitzvah. But if a kid is brainwashed, then I guess we don't. But at some point, when they become an adult. We hold them responsible. At the Nuremberg trials, it wasn't um, considered a valid excuse that this is the way we were raised to think about Jews. Nobody else believed anything other than that Jews controlled the banks and they were doing this and they were doing that. We hold people responsible and we put people to death at Nuremberg. 
Okay, so so we can get in into that. So, but I want to get back to your original question. Okay, if if someone is innocent, you should be crying for them. And even if they're not innocent, should we be davening for them? Yeah, probably. We should be we should be davening that that innocents don't ki get killed. Yeah. Now, why isn't there any rabbi that's getting up and doing that? That's a good question. I don't know, but I want let me just finish this. Should there be? Uh, Maybe it's a really good question. I think so. I think it's you know we pray for I pray for non-Jews all the time. So if they're if they're a non-Jewish person that's caught in the thick, and and, and 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 to no fault of their own they're living there and they don't want them as their government, you know I just don't want to be so naive as to believe that the two point one million Gazans are all innocents. We know that's not the truth. Okay. Okay. Now, but let's say a few hundred thousand of them are. I don't know what the numbers are. We're never going to find out because we can't rely on there. Um, this is important to remember too. What do we do around the Seder table when we're going through the 10 plagues? Dam, Svardea, blood. We take a little, we take our pinky and we take a little wine out of the cup because the rabbis in the ethics of our fathers teach, we never rejoice in the falling of our enemies. Now we don't pray for our enemies to survive. We don't pray for enemies. That's what the Christians believe in that. We don't believe in that. It's turn the other cheek. And that's based in their theology that man is a sinner. People can't help themselves but sin, and therefore you have to have compassion for the sinner. Judaism does not subscribe to that point of view. right? We believe that if you sin, you have to do tshuva. You have to repent. And if you don't repent, and if you don't continue to stop the evil and criminal behavior, then you need to be taken out. You need to be punished. Um, but... If, even our enemies, though, even our enemies, we're not happy. We shouldn't be expressing glee. And by the way, do you ever see that anywhere? You ever see yeah. anyone rejoicing when a, when a hospital is bombed or something, which, by the way, was 100% legitimate because we found out that there were terror tunnels underneath. And they're shooting rockets from there. Have you seen ever a Jew going, yeah? No, we never do that. Right. And that's that's embedded within our culture. And that's very, very important for us to remember that even, you know, and I'll tell you one last thing on this, you know, when, when my kids were little and we used to watch a lot of superheroes because I imposed that on them. I love superheroes stuff. I love superheroes too. And I was watching, I think Batman with one of my kids once and, and he was like pummeling one of these guys. And my kids were like, yeah, go, yeah, go, go, go. And it was so much fun to watch because they put Batman through all of this, you know, difficulty and now, you know, and I said to, I forgot which kid it was. I said, you know, I said, what's the real goal? And one of my kids, all my kids were there. One of the kids was like, that Batman wins and that the bad guys die. I said, okay, what would be a better outcome? And one of my boys said that, that the Joker stops doing bad things. That the Joker does tshuva. And that's what we really want because they have souls and they're people. And unfortunately, a lot of them have been brainwashed. And that's why, and I know we don't, don't want to get into politics, but until their leaders and their teachers and their parents teach them to love other people with whom they disagree, we're never going to, this, 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 these are all band-aids. Rabbi, where do we go from here as, uh, as Jews, what, what should we be doing right now? What's the future that we should be looking forward to? I'm talking on a spiritual level again, this is not a political question. Just what do we do now? So, and where do we go from here? So Rabbi Salvechik taught that rather than asking Lama when something bad happens, which means why, very famous teaching, he said you should say Lima for what? See, what is a question we can answer, why we can't to try to explain why these things are happening. But what should we be doing? So there's two fights going on right now. One is against Hamas and our arch enemies that need to be taken out. And towards that end, we have responsibility to view this as not simply an Israeli struggle. And hopefully, well, it's Davin for them, okay? We have to send them stuff. We have to visit them. We have to give them. This is the Jewish people's battle. So that's number one, what we need to do. The perception of this is this is an attack on the Jewish people. If the world doesn't believe at this point that anti-Zion is anti-Semitism, then I don't know what's going to, because Jews are being beaten up 
I'm sorry, in London, okay? And this has nothing to do with some sort of territorial, you know, nonsense, okay? This is against the Jewish people. That's what it says in the charter in Hamas. It says Jews, okay? And if they could kill us in 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 London and in, and in Paris or New York, it's no, it's no different than in Israel. So this is our fight. So we have to do the everything we can to make sure that Israel wins and okay. wins without killing, without, God forbid, more Jewish blood being spilled. And as you pointed out before, to minimize civilian casualties on the Palestinian side. Okay? And we have to go weigh those things. That's A. B, anti-Semitism. We have to fight college campus. I mean, it's an abomination. I don't know what uh, what other word to use to take our our the world of academia, of advanced higher learning, of Harvard and Penn. I mean, Rabbi, I agree with you, and and uh, but this is a but I think some of this is what you're what you're describing is practical. I'm asking a spiritual question. What do we this moment that we're in right now? Where should but, where should we be? As it, as a call Israel spiritually, and where should we be going spiritually? Okay, so I just want you to know that part of my spiritual answer to you is what I just said, okay. because Judaism is a faith that demands both what's called in Hebrew hishtadlus and and bitachon. Hishtadlus means human initiative, part of what you do religiously. Why is it that when Yaakov Jacob was running away from his brother? Asav, he didn't just pray, right? He formed an army. He engaged in in in, in diplomacy. He sent gifts to Asav. He okay. did all three. And a lot of us think, oh, that's like that's not like the relig the religious thing is the praying part. No, the religious thing, Daniel, is 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 fighting. It's a milchemes mitzvah. This is a mitzvah war because defending Jewish people is a commandment in the Torah. It's something God wants us to do. So that's number one. In terms of spiritually dealing with this, like I, you know, I just, I hope that this is going to be a wake-up call for a lot of Jewish people that have been, and we're all asleep on some level. I don't mean to point the finger, but I'm hoping that this is going to bring out, you know, like the Rambam, Maimonides says that we blow a shofar in Rosh Hashanah to wake us up. Yeah. Right? Like we know we're Jewish, we know we're supposed to do certain things, but you need like that chauffeur blast in your ear to remember it's Rosh Hashanah. Like remember who we are. Sometimes our enemies remind us of who we are, what we should be doing. So I'm hoping and I'm po trying to poise MGE right now to be a place where more Jewish people who were not as connected can explore their Judaism and see why we're being targeted. What is it that everybody wants a piece of, right? Why is Israel such a contested, you know, piece of real estate on the map? What is it that we have that everybody wants? What, and, 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 and like those types of questions hopefully will steer something. And positive. should we not be strengthening our love of every Jew? It, it, yeah. Shouldn't the, the world of us, uh, Israel, be yeah. part of our, Part of the the command of our future, you know this. And, yes. and 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 if that was yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. This, you know, I've grown some. You know, I've grown in my Jewishness, and I felt grown somewhat distant. You know, to to non to to uh, um, non-religious Jews for this reason or that reason. And this moment, I've this moment, I've been in communication with uh, all kinds of Jews and and non-Jews for sure as well. You know. What beautiful, beautiful friends who've been kind enough to reach out. Um, but you know, some of just some of my the feelings that I had towards towards a lot of the the different areas of the Jewish world just feels so silly uh, in in this moment. Yeah. And just like it's just like just they're, they're just they're just Jews. Like I'm Jew, they're Jew. We do, we, you know, we're we're vibing in different ways right now. You know, but like at the end, they're sisters. Yeah, at the end of the end of the it's family. Listen, if if I, I do believe that's one of the ways we should be act, reacting spiritually, and Baruch Hashem, I'm very happy to say that we are coming together in a very serious way, unprecedented. Uh, it shouldn't have to be this, of course, that brings it out, but look how divisive things were so close to what happened, you know? And I'm not trying to imply in any way, because I don't pretend to know, 
that one thing happened because of another, but one thing is getting cleared up, Baruch Hashem, and that is unity. And there's almost nothing we as a Jewish people cannot accomplish when we are unified. And that is an extraordinarily important thing. And I'm hoping it's going to happen in America for American Jews and for other diaspora Jews. I hope we're going to follow the lead of our brothers and sisters in Israel and galvanize and not continue business as usual. Sure. Okay, there is a new normal. And every person, every Jewish person's day needs to be different. And if it's okay, I'm going to use this to... I haven't been doing a lot of preaching. I've just been sharing, but now I'm going to preach. Every, preach I'm going to do it. You ready? <laughs> um, our, our davening should be more intense. And if we don't daven regularly every day, this is the time to start. Open up a prayer book. Start with the morning blessings. Say thank you to Hashem for the blessings that we have. Close your eyes and daven for the IDF. It's in every Jewish prayer book. You can just say it in your own words if you need to. It's very, very important that we daven tush. We give tzedakah. Not everybody's so comfortable parting with their money, but there are a lot of needs right now. There's never in Israel's history been a call-up of 350,000 people. You know what that means? You think the army has 350,000 bulletproof vests and 350,000 helmets? We're getting barraged by calls, but I'm talking to people in the field and we're bringing stuff with us. Knee pads, just whatever it is that that the IDF can't always handle on its own. Yeah. And these families. Okay, I have friends. My my cousin Rondo lives in Ranana. I keep talking about her, but she goes to this hotel and helps out these families that are, just imagine you have to vacate your house, take what you can and get out of there because there are rockets coming. Okay, and you have little kids. Okay, you're going to need stuff for the next few months. So we have to provide them with that stuff okay the government of the state of israel is not doesn't have endless supply of money and and resources so everybody's life should physically be different with praying spiritually with praying take on a new mitzvah and say i'm doing it for the idea of success i'm going to light shabbat candles i'm going to put on tefillin i'm going to give more charity i'm going to focus it i'm telling you first of all it's therapeutic it helps you feel good like you're doing something and you're not just doom scrolling as they call it through our instagram you know reels and our lives should be different and consider going because this is going to go on for a while and the economy is going to get worse yeah. because so much of israel's economy you know i just know people out of work that doesn't pay to go to work not, people aren't shopping as much and we don't have the tourism so we're going and i just encourage people to go obviously you, you do it safely ll is flying all the time and um and just just one last thing I want to share, and that is about the hostages. Okay, we have to do everything we can to get these hostages out. And I know it sounds a little naive, but if you were one of those families, that's all you'd be doing, and they are our family. So every day, and, and if anybody wants to join, have a chat also. If you want to learn a little new Torah every day, and I connect it always a little somehow to Israel, it's called Standing for Israel. It's like a five-minute, three to five-minute little piece of Torah I've been doing it every morning and I posted on there things that people can do six phone numbers. You can call, just pick one of them every day and leave a message with your congressman. My congressman is Jerry Nadler. I leave a message. It's day 19 since the hostages day 20 since the hostages, please keep this on the forefront because, because the United States has true relations with other countries such as Qatar. Okay. Or Egypt that has relationships with Hamas. Okay, yeah. America directly or America, you know, or Israel directly is probably not going to do very much good, but there are third parties and our elected officials knowing that their constituencies are really concerned. I keep calling them every day. That keeps the issue alive. And I think that's very, very important. Rabbi, um having this conversation the other day, sometimes the the only thing that we can say to our the people who doubt us, the people are people who aren't too excited about Jews, the people, you know, is uh, uh, Am Yisrael Chai. Uh, and a lot of, a lot of my conversations with, uh, with, that I've been having, you know, you know, asking how people are doing, uh, you know, friends in Israel, it's been like a, a little cute little like sign up of our conversations, just very simply, Am Yisrael Chai, mm -hmm. the Jewish people, live so i think uh, i think a proper way to close our conversation 
today, Rabbi, is simply Am Yisrael Chai. Am Yisrael Chai. And Daniel, I'm very proud of you. And I'm proud of everyone that stands tall for the Jewish people and for Israel. And that remembers that we've been through a lot, even worse. And as you said so beautifully, Am Yisrael Chai. Thanks.